and welcome to Dance Style of Grace Anatomy Podcast. We're your hosts, Jasmine Petty. And Giuseppe Corallo. Thank you to everyone for joining us. We've officially reached over 15,000 downloads of the podcast. Uh, we're so grateful to each and every one of you. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Um, today we're going to be talking about the two-part seasonality of the 18th season of Grey's Anatomy. So if you haven't seen it yet, there are spoilers ahead. Uh, so to start us off, uh, Giuseppe, how are you? How's it going? Well, first of all, I wanted to thank everyone really for, for all these downloads. I mean, 50,000, it's a lot. And when we started recording, I, I mean, I didn't think, and I'm sure you didn't think either, that this was going to be so huge, right? Yeah, uh, we had no idea what kind of reception we were going to get. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. Um, yeah. That- yeah, so thank you so much for listening. How am I? Well, here in Rome, summer has arrived, so it's very hot. So, you know, going to work and doing all your the things they have to do during a day, it becomes a bit more complicated when there is too much hotness, uh, when it's too hot. Uh, but I'm good. It's been a crazy, crazy, crazy week for me for work, uh, for work-related reasons. But tomorrow, I'm going to go to the beach, to the sea, for a few days. So it's going to be my time to just chill out with a book. Do you have a book to recommend to me? Because I don't know what to buy tomorrow, To which book to choose to to bring with me to the beach. Do you have any suggestions? Oh, I do. Um, oh my gosh, someone just got me this book. I haven't read it yet. It's called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Have you read oh, it? Uh, no, no, but I've heard about it. It's been a huge, huge bestseller here in Italy. Thank yeah. you. I'm, I'm going to buy that book tomorrow. Yeah, thank you so much. See, I had to ask. <laughs> I have a good story about this because, so my birthday, my birthday was in March. Um, so when we uh, showed up dinner, I can't remember if I told the story or not, but so my friends asked me what I wanted. And I said, I wanted books. I wanted like chiclet. I wanted light, fluffy stuff to read because I've just hit a point where like, I want, I want escapism from my entertainment, yeah. you know? And yeah. so, uh, so my one my friend Amy, she reads a lot. So she got me that book and she got me, um, I think it's the love equation or whatever. Um, another big bestseller. Um, and so then I opened somebody else's that like was obviously a book. Um, and so I open it and it's the same. It's, it's also the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. What? <laughs> another friend. It also got me. And then another friend, we're all, the, we're all at dinner and, she hands me something. It's a candle making set, but she goes, so you said you wanted chiclet. I was in the chapters. I almost got you the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo, no. but then I saw the candle set. <laughs> so three people almost got me this book. Well, um, I keep, I, I actually keep seeing it when I go to the, you know, to the library and I, I keep, I keep bumping into it. And, it, and I always say to myself, okay, I want to read this book because it seems interesting. Because if I, I think it's a mystery, right? Sort of. Um, so it's about this woman, um, you know, she's this aging Hollywood starlet and she agrees to an interview and she's telling all about like her life story to this woman. And it, it's a mystery, but it's also like historical. Um, okay. And it's a, and it's a classic. 
It's a fast read. It's a fast read. Something that you can, you know, enjoy yeah. while on the beach. Yeah. Oh, that's the other one. The Love Hypothesis. That's the other one she got me, um, which I haven't read yet. Um, but so what we agreed on was um, I gave uh, the one of the one of the books back. My friend returned it, and they're like, "Yeah, I'll get you." Amy's like, "I'll get you another one," and I kept the other one's book. But I was like, "Yeah." So I still have to read. I read that one. Oh, and apparently it's going to be a movie too. Oh, my friend oh my. told me it's going to be a movie, so we can all go see that after we read the book. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's next yeah. on my list. And yeah, if you do read it, let me know how it is. I've heard it's really really yeah, good. Yeah, talk yeah. To about it. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I'm completely in. So what about you, Jasmine? You weren't with us last week to with uh, with me and Clinton to record, so. How are you feeling today? I'm okay. Um, so I wasn't with you guys. The original plan was for the three of us to record. And then Giuseppe was in New York, like he talked about. Um, and so Clint and I were going to record. But then I actually uh, got sick. And originally I thought I had the flu. And then I found out I had COVID. So uh, it was really bad. Um, I was really, 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 really sick for about the first like five days lasted for most of the symptoms lasted for like nine after the 10th day I was no longer contagious. Um, most of my major symptoms have gone away, uh, except I'm still like really tired. I tire really easily, which can last a bit. Um, so I'm doing okay. I'm no longer contagious. I'm all right. Um, I'm tired. I'm back at work, slowly getting back into it. Um, Oh, you're back at work. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm kind like I'm I'm I've turned off my auto reply and I'm you know checking my emails and doing like little things, but like no big projects. Okay, you're um, taking you're you're doing the right thing, you know, to get back in the game like in a soft way, so that you don't stress yourself too much. So, yeah, the recovery is an important part. As I told you before recording, uh, I had COVID as well, and it took me like two weeks to get better. To 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 let go of this sense of tiredness. So it will get better, Jasmine. Yeah, I know. I just have to give it time. Uh, and I just felt frustrated because like I've been so careful for the past like two and a half years. Like I always wear my mask. I follow the guidelines. I didn't like for that first like six, eight months of like, that first year of like 2020, like I didn't go outside. I didn't do anything like I, put, I was able to put all this money in my student loan because I literally did nothing. And all I bought was groceries and like household stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. So like I've been so careful, like even with things reopened here, you know, like I'm wearing the mask and I'm distancing and I'm washing my hands. Like I do, I do all the things. And um, like, I, I still can't figure out how I even got it because like I do all the things and I'm so careful. Oh, you don't know? You don't know? I thought that you knew. I thought that, uh, you know, maybe a no. friend it and, oh, you don't know. No, okay. literally, like, I I don't, like, all I can think of is that somebody either must have, like, had symptoms and thought they were allergies or thought they were the flu, or they must have been asymptomatic because literally, yeah. like, I always wear my mask. The only place I don't, we're at the gym and at yoga, but, like, that was only the last couple of weeks, and it's, like, the same people every time. I'm distancing. It's a short walk from, like, the door to the change room, like, uh, and like nothing in my habits changed. So, and you like every, like I was at a concert, but, like everybody had to be vaccinated. I was, or I was outside, like I was in situations where if my mask was removed, everyone had to be vaccinated. And so was I. So yeah. 
Like all I can think of is that it was a breakthrough infection and that somebody must've been asymptomatic because like I've been so, 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 so careful. And I had a friend who got sick last year and same thing, like super, super, super careful. Um, yeah. So it's a breakthrough infection. Uh, someone was asymptomatic, obviously. Um, so yeah, that's really frustrating. Um, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. But you're almost out of it. So Jasmine, the season finale, the two-hour season finale. Do you want to do the 30-second recap before we suck in into the bigness and of this episode, of this monumental episode? Sure. Count me down. Three, two, one, go. This week on the season finale of Grey's Anatomy, Grace Almoyo faces a blood shortage and Bailey sets up a voluntary donation center to meet the demand. Nick asks Meredith to help with his patient, and Winston stresses over his relationship with his brother and the 10 grand that he stole from Maggie. Grace Sloan's general surgery residency accreditation is pulled, which causes Bailey to quit, as Richard takes time off to travel with Catherine, whose health has improved, and Meredith is made interim chief. Owen's actions to help his fellow veterans come to light, and he and Teddy leave town as Nick leaves from Minnesota following a fight with Meredith. Ta-da! But as actually as Nick actually left, that's the cliffhanger. Well, we don't know. We don't know. That's the implication, but we yeah. don't know. Yeah. Well, what, what did you think of this episode? Because I mean, it was it was episode three hundred ninety nine and episode four hundred. I mean, that's crazy. Episode four hundred. Yeah, uh, it was crazy. It's crazy. It's been on that long. Um, I I thought it was okay. Like it was a solid B episode for me. I like both of them. Um, I to be honest, like I I liked. I liked the flashbacks and the montage in this in the second part of the 400th episode, and I really liked the editing. You know, when Meredith looks out the window, yeah, and she sees her her younger self. So there are parts yeah. of that I really liked. That I thought were really well done. Um, but there are other parts I didn't like. I just thought like a lot of the storylines were very sad, and while like you know a lot of the Grey's Anatomy is sad, like it didn't feel sad to me in an interesting way. A lot of it, it just felt sad, like depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and which kind of bothered me. And then the other thing I thought was a little odd, and I, I want to know your thoughts on this, is that when they were showing the montages earlier, like the earlier flashbacks, um, not the one with like the residency program, like towards the end, but the, the earlier ones, some of those yeah. were a little odd to me. Like, for example, like some of them I got about Ellis and everything, the dream sequence, but then the one where like she was trying to revive the patient who was bleeding and yeah. she was flashing back to Derek and the mass shooting. That one didn't really make sense to me because I was like, what do these two things have to do with each other? Like, I get that they were both bleeding and she was stressed out. But like, to me, like the the connection between the present and the past wasn't super clear. I just found them a little confusing. Yeah, um, I agree. And I, I, I and I agree on those flashbacks, the flashbacks that you were talking about. I had the impression that it, they were not there for storytelling reasons. I mean, in a way they were, I'm, I'm, we're going to get into this, but I thought they were forced flashbacks just because it was the 400th episode. So there was not that stronger connection, you know? So I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I have to say that... I loved these two episodes. They made me very excited for season 19. I just, just completely loved it. I mean, season 19 for me was an uneven season. It was a season full of amazing things. And one of these amazing things is, of course, Meredith and Nick. 
And then there were things that I didn't quite like because like, or, or things that didn't excite me as much as other people were excited by it. I'm thinking about Amelia and Kai, but this finale, I think it was interesting. I think it was dramatic. I think it was powerful. And the most important thing, and I think he did the most important thing that a finale should do, which is set up the next next season. And at the end, I was left with, oh my God, what's going to happen next? So I have to say that I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. Like, I'm, I'm happy for you. I just, I feel like I didn't feel, I didn't feel that sense you know, the way that other people did, like, and I, that's not, that's not really a criticism. I just, it, you know, like it, I, I felt like the episode kind of, all the stuff made me so sad. It kind of dragged me down. And I'm like, I'm not super excited for the storylines I've set up for next season. Like I don't dislike them. I just, they're not grabbing me, you know? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, that's kind of been my chief issue with this season, which is that they pulled a 180 on the storylines they set up at the end of last season, which I was looking forward to. And the stuff they chose to replace it with, um, I know a lot of people do. It's just, I was really excited for that setup. And it, the, what they went with instead just hasn't grabbed me. And um, I kind of felt that way in this episode, these episodes as well. You know, it like it wasn't bad. It just, it didn't grab me the way I, I wanted it to. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to talk about uh, Meredith's storyline? She had a big one this episode. Do you, do you want to kind of share your thoughts on that? Well, you know, uh, yes, I want to talk about Meredith's storyline because it was actually my favorite one and actually was the main reason why I loved this finale so much because I, I think the Meredith storyline, it, it, it makes me think the next season is going to be the end or at least as one song, you know? Because at the end of the episode, at the end of the 400th episode, yeah, I'm going to say a lot, the word 400th during this recording. So brace yourself. So at the end, she's back at square one. Well, I mean, not really square one, but, you know, she grew up. She has survived a lot during these years. She has thought to be happy. But the way she ends the season, she's trapped. She's alone. And most important of all, she sabotaged. She sabotaged herself. This is Meredith from early seasons. And this is why I think it is a very powerful end, a very powerful end, and a new, and it could be a very interesting beginning of her last chapter. Because from a narrative standpoint, she had to go all dark and twisty, you know, before the final act. So I think that this is there at her lowest. And I also think that you know, regarding Meredith's storyline in this episode, there is just so much to unpack. And I, as I was telling you before, I still feel like I haven't got all that storyline. There are so pieces that I'm missing because it's so complicated. It's such a complicated and nuanced storyline as well. Because, okay, so we started at the beginning with Meredith dreaming about being in a surgery with her mother, her overbearing mother, the one who told her she was ordinary. So Meredith starts the day in this insecure way. And this is very important to remember because we might forget it when we get to the end of the episode. But she, this is how she, Meredith starts her day. But also, and, and also it's the way she starts the season, doubting herself, dreaming of her mother. And then 
she and, and also she's living in one of these days in which she wants to prove to herself that she's not ordinary. But this is also the day in which her study on Parkinson's got great recognition. It's also the day in which she's packing the move, she's packing to move to Minnesota. It is also the day in which there is a blood shortage. So basically, Jasmine, as we know, it's a recipe for disaster. And there are all these factors. And I think Alice Gray is the main driving factor. They are so important to understand what happens to Meredith during this episode. And we're going to get to what happens to her. But what are your thoughts about what I just said? Do you think, did you feel, did you feel like all this pressure that Meredith felt during this day? Yeah, I, I definitely felt that pressure. And, you know, I thought it was very sad that, you know, like, this great thing that she's been working on for so long has been published. It was really well received. And yet she was feeling insecure and doubting herself. Yeah. I, yeah. And I felt that pressure too. And I kind of, you know, that, that whole idea of like, you know, you got to break something down to build it back up in the final kind of act. Um, So yeah, I would, I would agree with what you said. I, I mean, I'm not feeling the excitement, like I said, but I do agree that next season will probably be the last one. And um yeah, I, I agree with kind of, I, I agree that I think that's probably where they're going, um, you know, narratively. Um, yeah, she had a, she had a big storyline. And I, I think, I think one of my issues with this episode was that, um, and I get that like you were really into it, which is awesome. I just felt like, you know, if she's going to stay in Seattle, I want, I want her to stay because she wants to stay. And, you know, it kind of felt like at the end there, it's like, well, she's staying because she feels like she has to, not because she really wants to. And that kind of broke my heart because it's like, well, you know, everyone like Jackson's whole speech. I thought Jackson's whole speech was absurd. Like you have to stay when like he left, everybody else left or died. Yeah, um, I hate, I hate all of them. They, they uh, just pressured Meredith so much and they all got to go away. Yeah. That, that was my thing that like, I'm, I'm happy she's staying in Seattle. Like I wanted her to stay, but what bothers me like, I liked the outcome, but what bothered me was how they got to it because, you know, to have the audacity for everyone else to leave and, you know, to remember like, oh, well, you have to stay and save the program. Like, your name's on the building. Especially when Jackson, okay, especially when Jackson, were, like, was being, like, such a jerk to them and, like, like, when they renamed, like, when they were doing everything after the lawsuit, when he was all, like, his whole speech when he was like, we didn't have to sue the hospital, like acting like they were the problem. And Meredith literally had to stand up and go, you mean over the lawsuit that killed Lexi, that killed Mark? Like, yeah. you jackass. And then he turns around, it's like, well, your name's on the building. And it's like, well, her name wouldn't be on the building if Jackson hadn't suggested the name. And like, she literally had to remind him they were doing this because two people died. One of whom was his mentor, one of whom was his ex-girlfriend. And then he turns around after leaving himself and is like, you need to stay on. Um, yeah. So that just felt, um, yeah, that was upsetting. And I just like, I, like I said, I like the outcome, but I would have preferred they do it in a way in which she didn't like Meredith at this point. I feel like she's staying because she feels like she has to, not because she wants to, which puts her in a really miserable place because she's basically staying against her will for next season. Yeah. Um and I'm not loving that. Like, I get where they're going narratively. I just, I'm not loving it. 
Yeah. Uh, I actually, as I told you, uh, I actually love it because, of course, my heart breaks for Meredith. Of course, I, you know how much I love her. But at the same time, I'm so excited to see her, Ellen Pompeo, acting in dramatic scenes again because I think she's amazing. I, and I think it makes an interesting storyline. And also, you know, this past year, especially the last few months, if you recall, I've been saying that at the end, Meredith might be, had become chief, you know, might, might be the chief of surgery, of surgery of the hospital. And I was like, oh, well, I would like this storyline because it has been established that this job is an, more of an administrative job. And Meredith is a great surgeon. She wants to be on the field. She wants to operate. So I'm happy that she got to be chief because it was an important point from a storytelling, storytelling standpoint. But again, the way she got it, it's not because she chose it, but because she was trapped. Because now she's all alone, trapped with all the, with all the ghosts of their past. And I think this was the only way for the writers to make Meredith chief which I think makes it for a beautiful storyline and which I think does not contradict what we know about being chief, which, which can be a very stressful and boring job. So the fact that we got there at the end and the fact that she did not choose it as much as our breaking, as much as, you know, it breaks my heart at the same time, it makes so much sense narratively. So that's why I think I loved it so much. And also... We were talking about flashbacks before, but what I loved was the final flashback after she and Nick talk, have a, uh, you know, have a fight. And because Nick implies that actually Meredith has, has done their, their, their operation with that day, the dangerous operation during a blood shortage because she was not ready to leave. So maybe did she sabotage herself? Was that her intention? Was it not? That was like open-ended. And so she and Nick have this powerful, powerful argument, fight. And then she tells him to go away, to go back to Minnesota. And their voice breaks because she has found love again. But what, she, what she's doing in that moment is run away from it. That is the same girl, Meredith, twisty and dark Meredith, who ran away from Derek. But then something changes. We have all those flashbacks from the past. And she sees her younger self looking at her, judging her in a way. And this time she might be, you know, broken. She might be desperate, but this time she does not wallow in, into this, de- into this de- sadness. After all the people she has lost, she just jump, you know, jumps up and she chases after Nick and she's looking for him because whether people like it or not, Nick is her person right now. And I think it's beautiful that at the end, she's able to understand that she needs Nick in that moment. That what she had done in the, in the minutes before was sabotaging her happiness because that is something that Meredith used to do a lot. And the way that the writers created this situation again, again I thought it was done in a beautiful and very believable way. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. I mean, <laughs> this is no surprise, but like, I'm kind of hoping he goes to Minnesota and doesn't come back 
Oh no, it would be that would be for, so bad for two reasons for me. Even if I were, if I if I wasn't a Marathon Nick fan, so of course I'm a Marathon Nick fan, so it would be bad because I loved it to them. But even if I wasn't, so what would be really bad is that if he goes, it means that Marith ends the series by yourself. And as we have said in the past, you know, that is not what happiness would be for Meredith. So rather than seeing her alone and not miserable, but just not happy, I would prefer her to be with anyone but alone. So I think that's a good reason for her to, you know, to be on Nick's side. Yeah, that's exactly why I don't like it though. Because if your entire argument is, I'd rather she be with anyone than be alone. Everybody made that argument about DeLuca and I was like, screw this. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you are. I'm just saying that to me, like I, I, in the past, I would have agreed with you. They're like, yeah, I want her to find love again. But like, I, you know, I kind of warmed to Nick after the dinner party episode because he was less annoying and I, he was actually making an effort with her family. And, you know, and then they turned around with this episode and they were like, nope, he's going to make comments, you know, to her about how, you know, she shouldn't have done the surgery when she's already at her lowest. He's not going to back her up. He's going to make her feel worse about herself. I don't think that's what he was trying to do, but that's what the end result was. And then he's going to walk away and then Meredith's going to try and run after him. Um, and so I'm just like, yeah, no, at this point, like I, in the past, I would have said, yes, I want her to find love again. I want her and the show with somebody when you had great love interests like Riggs and Hayes. But I'm not here for this you know like this why i'd rather she and the series by herself not by herself but, but you know without a partner if the alternative is people who treat her like that who who you know who don't read the room and understand what she needs in that moment like yeah even if nick was right i didn't think that was the time to say it she was already really upset i mean to me a good partner is someone who backs you up and makes you feel better and then you know when you've calmed down and you're feeling better you know, has a discussion with you about um, whether or not that was the right call to make. I just didn't feel like that was the right moment. And I'd rather see her alone than with someone who isn't, you know, who isn't, who can't read the room in that situation. Well, I actually think the opposite because I actually think that Nick, uh, and he has proved this time and t- after time after time, has treated Meredith in a beautiful way. Um, maybe even better than Derek, as much as I loved Meredith and Derek. And he was amazing with the kids. He was a married, he was game with moving to Seattle to respect her. And I think at the end, we have to remember that he's having a hard day as well. And, you know, I rewatched the, the two episodes, like I think three times, and I noticed little moments between Meredith and Nick that I didn't notice at the beginning in which during, because at the, begin, at the beginning, I was very annoyed with Nick and the way he says to her, you should have done the surgery. And I was like, well, why didn't, he st- why didn't you stop her? Why didn't you tell her anything? But if you rewatch the episodes, you realize that he does it, actually. There are a few moments in which he says, are you sure? Are you sure? I don't think this is a good idea. Because he respects her so much, she decides not to go. There is also a beautiful moment, the moment in which Weber attacks Meredith. In that moment, Nick protects Meredith. And I noticed that during a watch. And he says to Weber to shut up in a way. He thinks, he says to him that it's inappropriate or something like that. And at the end, when he says those things to Meredith, I think it's very important that he says those things. And he's 
he's trying to understand her and he's telling her that it's okay to feel bad because he has that beautiful monologue about, well, what drives you? Sometimes I'm 10, sometimes I'm eight. You know, we grow up, but we never grow up. So he he is in her corner. The fact is that the scene begins with Meredith telling him to go back to Minnesota. She's pushing him away. So his heart rejected as well in that moment. And even though he's rejecting that moment, he's trying to understand her. He's trying to make her feel better. Whether And at the end, when Meredith chases after him, it's not because she's this you know, needy woman looking for his attention. It's because she understood what Nick was saying. She understood that Nick was right about the fact that maybe, just maybe, what she was trying to do was sabotaging herself because she was the one who did not want to go away, because she was the one who doubted herself. So I really think we have, and this is what makes for an interesting conversation, of course, but I think we have a really different take and I think on, on this subject. Uh, and I think, you know, I think that Nick has always been there and I'm pretty sure that when we open the season, he'll be there. But at the same time, I don't want him to be there because I want some drama, some drama between the two of them. So I want, you know, for the two of them to have a little bit of angst before coming back together, because of course they're going to end up together. So I'm very curious to see. But also, so you were saying before that, you know, that you were mad at Jackson. I was really mad at Bailey and Richard for what they've done to poor Meredith. So basically all this season, they've been like, oh, you cannot leave, you cannot leave. And then Richard takes an absence of leave just because to go to Egypt. Is he crazy? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's crazy. I just, I agree that like, you know, they spent so much time being like, you can't leave, the traitor. And then when stuff hit the fan, they were like, sayonara. And they left. <laughs> exactly. Um, on the other hand, like, I understand Richard's leaving more than Bailey's because like, I feel like he's not leaving permanently. You know, his, Catherine's health improved. You know, she wanted to travel. And to me, I saw that as, you know, there's so many comments Richard makes in the earlier seasons about, um, you know, Adele, you know, did like a whole black tie thing for their anniversary one year and, you know, things with her family and she wanted to travel and she wanted children. And Richard was always working or with Ellis. And so, you know, um, Adele eventually gets sick and passes away from Alzheimer's. That also happens to Ellis you know, him and Catherine have had their issues and, you know, she's gotten sick and, you know, now she's doing better. Like, you know, she's, she still has cancer. She's still living with the cancer, but it's now something she can, it's back to being something she can live with. Um, so that, you know, she's able to travel and do those things. So I saw it as, okay, Richard it doesn't want to make the same mistake again. And, you know, he wants to be there for his wife and do the traveling and do the stuff he never did because he was always working, always operating, always spending time with Ellis. And then he wound up losing both Adele and Ellis. So I understood Richard Mark. I'm like, I get why he he would want to do that for her. And I think that was the right call for him and Catherine. And he will be back. But it also couldn't come at a worse time. And I also feel like it would be, what if come across as less hypocritical if he hadn't been so rude to Meredith, you know, for so many weeks over her decision to leave. And yeah. then Bailey, like, you know, she, she was awful to Meredith about her 
decision to leave. They made up and then she lost it again. And like, I get this, she's under a lot of pressure, but to just walk away and be like, oh, you want to leave? Never mind. You have to take over as interim chief, you know, because I've decided to prioritize my mental health. And like, it's good to prioritize your mental health. But I mean, when you've been a jerk to somebody for wanting to move on after giving decades of their life to a hospital that's tried to murder them and kill them and on multiple yeah. occasions and then turn around and be like, I'm out, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah, that feels so inappropriate. At the same at the same time, we should remember that, you know, Richard and Bailey right now think in a way that Meredith is the problem that. The, the fact that the, the reason why the residency program was shut down, was closed, was because Meredith performed this risky surgery that day, which I think is unfair because, and this is what makes me, uh, what makes me so mad about Weber leaving, deciding to take this absence of leave. It's because all this mess began because of the Weber method, because of a method that he had created. So... I just, I thought they were so, so, so selfish. Of course, they will be back. And I'm very curious to see what happens. Also, because uh, a reason why, uh, one, another reason why I love this episode is because it basically, it pays an homage to the past and at the same way, it resets the game. So with the residency program closed and shut down, now the, if, there is this big question. What do they do next? How do they reinvent the show? What will Meredith do? Well, I mean, I I, I didn't expect for them to close the um, the residency program. I thought it was it was going to be a four hundredth celebratory episode. But then I started reading all the Sarah Drew's interviews, and she was like, "Oh my God!" I was shocked. I was like, "They're going to reinvent the show." So I had a hunch that they were going to finish this, this season this way. And I think it's an interesting way because, you know, now all these uh, interns are, and residents are orphaned. What happens to them? How is Levi and Perez brought back into the fold? I just, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Um, we'll see where it goes. I mean, you know, they'll find a way to, to make yeah. it work. But it's kind of yeah. like, you know, when we went into the season 17 and, you know, surgeries were canceled because of COVID, you know, how do you tell a story about surgeons when surgeries are canceled? I feel like it's kind of a similar thing where it's like, how do you tell a story about surgeons when the residency program has been shut down? Um, I don't know. And uh, I guess we'll find out next season. Yeah. Um, yeah. Something else. Like, yeah. No, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, I'd love to hear your thoughts about Jackson and April's return and the kind of the confirmation that they're officially together. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Oh, I have to say that I was never a big fan of the couple. I mean, I like their chemistry. They have such amazing chemistry. But at the same time, I was never very invest, in, um, interested in them because, you know, they... When they were on the show, they were like in this little bubble. They didn't interact much with Meredith. So any storyline that doesn't have a strong interaction with Meredith, it's not that interesting to me. And But you know what? I'm happy for the diehard fan, Jepril fans. I'm really happy for them. I'm really happy they got their end game. And 
I have the impression, but I might be wrong. I don't know. But I have this idea that they might come back next season for a, for a few guest spots because they, I feel like the door was left open for, for them. Like they're still a big part of the show. Um, you know, they also they promoted the Jepros so much that I thought they were, gonna, they, they were going to play a bigger role in the finale instead. There was like five minutes of screen time. So so it was good to check on them. But at the same time, I, that, that was not the, you know, the most interesting part of the finale. How do, how did you feel about Jepril? I like seeing them back. Um, as a lot of people have commented on, you know, them leave, you know, April leaving when she did didn't really make much sense, you know, because the comment at the time was, well, there's no storyline left to tell. And then they proceeded to tell the exact same story with multiple characters for the next like three or four seasons. Yeah. Um, so I was nice to see them back. It was nice to get that confirmation that they're together. Again, like I liked them. I was never like super invested, but I did like them as a pairing. I liked them with Catherine and with Harriet. And I really liked the scenes with April and uh, Amelia. I really liked those. Um, oh, yeah. When she says, loves come back, comes back around. Yes, I love that. Although I would have liked to see some April and Teddy scenes because they were always close. Oh, and- right. Oh, I have a question for you because, you know, uh, when Amelia saw April, they, they hugged, they were super friendly towards, towards each other. But I don't remember anything between the two of them in the previous season. Do, did they have a great relationship? Yeah, they were pretty close. Um, I don't remember why, but I think they bought it over something. So they were, yeah, they were pretty close. Um, interactions at all. And I have to say another thing that I was very annoyed. And I don't know, I don't know why sometimes they write Meredith this way. The scene in which April says, hi, Meredith. And she doesn't even say hi back. She's just annoyed by April. I mean, Why? Yeah, I don't know, because sometimes I feel like the people writing for Meredith have never seen the show, because, like, yeah, Meredith didn't like April, but that changed after the shooting, and that was a very, like, that was a very clear plot, where, like, Lexi was mad at her, and she was like, Meredith was like, we're friends now, because she was with me when I suffered a miscarriage, and, like, yes, sometimes Meredith would, like, tease April or whatever, but that's different than actually disliking somebody, and... So, yeah, I didn't really get that either because April and Meredith were on good terms. They've been friends for a long time. Um, yeah, I don't know. It feels like they're writing Meredith lately. Like, she hates all of her friends, which is very weird to me. Um, yeah, I think it's more Adam Pompeo than Meredith. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Because, like, I don't... Like, April and Meredith haven't had, like, actual issues since... What season was the mass shooting? Whatever that was. Pre... Whatever that episode was. The shooting... Yeah. The end of season six. Okay, yeah. So, like, that was, like, obviously a very long time ago. Um, I mean, she was a bridesmaid in April's wedding. I mean... Yeah, yeah. I don't know why sometimes they write Meredith this way, so dismissive towards others. I That rubbed me the wrong way. Even though Meredith was having a hard time. Come on, there is this friend of yours that you haven't seen in a long time. She says, hi, you say hi back, you hug her or you do something. I don't know, that bugged me a lot. But yes. Slave, you know, like even if you're like in a rush, be like, hey. And yeah, you know. right. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 
Okay, if I had Krista Baranoff in front of me right now, I would ask her why, just why. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Amelia, you were we were talking about Amelia in April. Well, she, I think she was the only one to get a happy ending, apart from Megan Winston. She got Kai back. Yeah, I didn't love that though because while well, I like them as a couple. I mean, like Kai basically showed up and said that. They couldn't sleep without her. They kissed, but none of their issues were actually resolved because Kai made it very clear they do not want children. After one dinner party where they saw Amelia interact with her son and all the other children in her life. And as far as we know, that has not changed. So like, I, I get that you love someone very much, you know, um, like if you don't already have children, maybe that's something that can change down the road for some people. But Amelia already has a child and has children in her life. So, like, that's not going to change. And so, like, I didn't really, like, yeah, it was a happy ending, but it also kind of wasn't because I'm like, well, unless Kai is going to completely change their mind about having children and wanting to be a parent, then, you know, they're eventually going to break up for real. Because, like, I've been in long-distance relationships where you get to a point where, one person wants kids, the other person doesn't, or you want different things. And as tempting as it is to get back together with that person or stay, which is what I did, um, it, like, it's like Christina says in that episode of Owen, where she's like, kids are not something you compromise on. It's not chicken okay. or tie. It's, it's a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I have to say that I... I think she got a happy ending, but as you say, it opens a lot of questions. And I expected a little bit more, but she, but Kai just had a line like, I can't sleep. And that was it. And, and this sometimes is shows me that the writing has really changed on this show because once upon a time, the declarations of love were written beautifully. I still can't think about Lexi's declaration to Mark when she said, I can't sleep because I'm infected by you. I'm infected by Mark's love. So I didn't, I didn't love that scene. And also I have to say that even though people love them as I said at the beginning, I just do not feel them. You know, I just don't see that much chemistry. Sometimes I just feel like Amelia was written with Kai just because it was the right thing to do from a political standpoint, you know, because Kai is the first non-binary actor in the show. So sometimes he feels like more like they're together for reason outside the show rather than in the show. And also, Amelia, I'm happy that Amelia and Link had that final conversation in which they closed their relationship. But also that scene reminded me that they had great chemistry I just do not get why the virus decided to end this pairing. I just, I don't get it. I don't. Yeah, I don't get it either because Lincoln and Amelia had great chemistry and they were very happy together. They wanted the same thing and then they didn't. But, you know, Amelia could have just communicated that. Link could have actually listened. And I don't, I don't know why they gave up on a, on a pairing that had such great chemistry for, you know, pairings that don't. Because I don't see, you know, I don't, like, I like Amelia and Kai, but they don't have, like, off-the-wall chemistry. Same with Joe and Link. Like, they don't have off-the-wall chemistry the way Amelia and Link did. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I also I think that, you know, the reason why so many people love Amelia and Kai is because sadly the LGBTQ and I'm part of it, I, 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 so I know what I'm talking about. It's just, it's not represented enough in media, you know? So when you get to see a non-binary actor, when you get to you see yourself represented, even though the character is not written in a perfect way, you just get attached to, to them because, because it's you on the screen. So I think that it's what's happening between Amelia uh, in the fandom of Amelia and Kai. And yeah, speaking of Link and Joe, I thought that a kiss was going to happen, that something was going to happen, but I'm very happy that they decided for now to stay friends. Of course, they, they, their friendship will change and they will become a couple. But I think it's nice that the writers are not rushing it and they're taking their time for the two of them to write a, prop, uh, a proper storyline for the two of them. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I mean, I'm not really into that. I was really team Todd. So I was really disappointed that they rewrote Todd's entire personality in one episode. Oh, right. When I saw the finale, I thought about you because of course, we, I mean, we knew from the beginning that Todd had numbered that number days. He could not be on the show and he was not written to be in the game. This is a reason, this is why I could not get invested in that relationship because when I know that the actor is leaving, it's, it's like, why should I be invested? But I, I thought about you because what they did with Todd was so out of character. Yeah, his entire personality changed in one episode. And yeah, that just annoyed me. Like, it reminded me of season 15 where, like, they went with a bunch of pairings. And then instead of going where the chemistry was, um, they were like, oh, well, we decided on this at the beginning of the season. So that's what we're going with. And while I understand that, like, Tom wasn't a doctor, like, I thought they had great chemistry. You know, they were really happy together. And they just randomly gave him all these weird personality traits all of a sudden and made him like super immature just so they could throw her back together with a link. And like, I hate it when they do that. Cause it's like, if your writing is good and the chem- and the actors have chemistry, that isn't necessary. And in previous seasons of Grey's, that wasn't necessary. That's only like a later season thing. So yeah, that really, that really bugged me too. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. And another couple that I'm very curious about is Owen and Teddy. I mean, are they starting a new spin-off called Doctors on the Run? Because this seems where their storyline is headed. I have no idea how they're going to bring them back. Yeah, I've seen I've seen some different theories. Um, basically, the oh, theories I've seen. Sure, sure, sure. Them. I didn't read anything. Basically, the, I feel like people, from what I've read, are of two minds. They're either of the mind that, you know, Teddy and Owen are leaving the show and this is kind of their, their send-off. Like, we'll get a little bit about them at the beginning of next season and that's it. And they're, like, moving to a country that doesn't have an extradition treaty with the U.S. and they're going to practice medicine there. Um, although I don't know how it's going to work with Leo because most of the countries that don't have an extradition treaty with the U.S. would not be placed that particularly be safe if you're like gender fluid not that the u.s is particularly safe either for that matter but i feel like a lot of those countries would be worse anyway um so i heard that theory and then the other thing i've heard is that like you know 
that they're going to be on the run for a while. And we're going to kind of get updates on them. And then they're eventually going to turn themselves in or get caught. And somebody on that, that panel that I'm on had a good point. They said, you know, if they just pretended like, you know, Teddy didn't know and, you know, went about their lives or, you know, went and talked to the police and were like, hey, this person threatened to go to the police, you know, about, you know, because I wouldn't provide these drugs, um, you know. And somebody pointed out, they're like, well, the like the drugs that were taken, obviously, however Owen got a hold of them, Bailey hadn't noticed that drugs had been taken. So however it was done, like they were checked out, you know, in his capacity as a doctor. Um, and like those patients weren't being technically treated, but like, like he didn't technically steal them in, in the sense that like, you know, like since no one noticed they were missing, he must have logged them out properly. And then since the patients are now deceased and obviously their, their spouses and partners aren't going to cop to it, you know, like they wouldn't really have any evidence basically to charge them with, apart from the word of this one guy for a patient that they provided no drugs to, never saw, they live in a different state. Um, like they basically have to get the families of the other people that Owen helped to testify. And since those people were grateful, I don't think they would. So at much at like at best they'd you know they he'd face like a voluntary manslaughter or some sort of like theft charge over the drugs or you know at or like you know or nothing because they wouldn't be have any evidence and his but his license would be taken away and people are like well if they'd done that you know he could have you know yeah. that would be a big change for him but he could have advocated for veterans you know like an advocacy role like full time that like there's a lot of other ways they could have gone with that and. The other thing that bothered me was I was like, well, this storyline really highlighted why this storyline was stupid to begin with, because as Teddy points out, there was a completely legal way for Owen to have helped these people. He he chose to be reckless, but there was absolutely no need for that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think they're going to leave the show. I think. I don't think they're going to leave the show. I think they're going to be back also because they're assigned for season 19. And I think Kevin McKee, the actor who plays Owen, is going to be in the show until the end. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. And the last couple we still haven't talked about is actually Megan Winston. I thought they were very cute. So basically the entire plot with the... with. Um, my God, Winston's brother was Wendell, was just to bring the two of them closer. It was for them to be a catalyst, for them to realize they don't actually know each other. But at the end, they realize that their love is precious and they should not, you know, waste it. And, and I thought it was a beautiful parallel to the love story of Simon and, and his wife and all that patient storyline. I thought it was very poignant and, and beautiful. And also I have to say that I think that I loved about these two episodes was the music. Not only the cover songs, which sometimes they annoy me because we have heard them so much. We have heard so much covers by now that it's like, oh, it's not new anymore. I'm talking about episode 19, the first part of the finale, which had amazing, amazing new songs. And it was, they were very beautiful. And I'm talking about the songs because, I'm sorry, I'm just talking about the songs. You might ask why when you were talking about Megan Winston. Because they shared this scene near the end of episode 19 in which Maggie says to Winston that she doesn't really know him, he doesn't really know the, her, in which there is this beautiful song playing. And I think this is another thing that Grace does so well. 
Yeah, I, I agree about the music. I like the covers as well. I like the music. And I did like the scene in the car with Maggie and Winston where, you know, basically they talked about how, you know, it takes them a while to open up, both of them, and that there's not a reason to give up on their relationship. They just need to kind of work at it in a different way. And I also like the evolution of, you know, originally Maggie was upset that, you know, like she thought Winston was saying that she didn't have sisters. But as Amelia pointed out, she's like, yeah, if you grow up with siblings, it's different. Like having, and I, I agree with that, like finding your found family as an adult, I have people I consider family that I'm not related to, is very different than growing up with siblings. Like Amelia said, she's like, I love my shepherd sisters, but I don't really like them. Versus like, I, you know, I love you and Meredith and I like you. Like, it's very, we're like siblings in an adult way. Like, it's very different. And I agree with that. Like, I don't know what it's like to have siblings. I never will. Uh, even though I have cons- people I consider family who I'm not related to. Um, and so that was Winston's whole point that, you know, your siblings, your family get under your skin in a way that other people can't or don't because they just, that, you know, you grew up with them. And I liked the kind of the conclusion there. And Winston feeling responsible because he's like, it's one thing, you know, for, you know, him to take something from me, but, you know, he, he went after you. Um, and that's different. I want to get that money back. So, yeah, I like their storyline and I really love their scene in the car. And I also uh, really enjoyed the music. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So before getting to one of my favorite parts of our podcast, now maybe my favorite part of the podcast, which is the favorite part of scene, I want to know more about the Stranger Things podcast that you recorded. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was supposed to talk about this last week because it had just been released. Um, but as I said, I was sick with COVID. Uh, so I'll talk about it now. Um, so the episode that features my guest appearance on Ham Radio, Stranger Things podcast is out now. Um, you can find a link to it in the description uh, for this episode. Host Ashley and I, uh, we talked about our thoughts on Stranger Things seasons one through three and our predictions and hope for season four. And since the first volume of season four just got released, um, and if you're, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, you can go and listen to the podcast and listen to the episode and compare our predictions to the new season. Uh, we were, I think we were right about a lot of things. Some things went a little differently than, than I think we, we pictured. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's very exciting. It's out now. And um, if you're a fan of both Grey's Anatomy and Stranger Things, I encourage you to go listen to it. Um, it was a lot of fun. And I think it's a good kind of holdover because we have a month until volume two of season four of Stranger Things is released. So if like me, you can't like you just you just want July 1st to get here so you can, uh, you know, you can you can find out what happens. Um, it's a good kind of holdover. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a really fun. It was a really fun time. Everybody uh, was super, super nice. Wow, that's great. That's great to hear. So, Jasmine, going back to Grey's Anatomy, what was your favorite quote or scene from the episode? Oh, I don't know if I had one. Although, if I had to choose, I'd say I did like some of the funnier lines that Travis and Levi and Perez and Helm said. You know, when they got people out to donate blood, they were talking about, you know, how, you know, gay people are great at rallying and that, like, the band is discriminatory. And that, you know, it, it's so stupid because like, you know, Travis was like, you know, like the blood, like, you know, the blood donation shortage would be over in a week. We'd have like a dance party at the at the donation center. 
you know, yeah. and, and a blood bone. Yeah. <laughs> or I can't remember who it was, but when they get get everybody out of the blood drive at Gray Sloan, one of them says it's like, yeah, we caught all our friends, all our sexless friends. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Um, so I really, I really like that part. Um, although I didn't like some of the other lines they said, they felt very preachy, you know, like very like not realistic dialogue. But I did like those moments. I did like that they highlighted the band. Um, well, I didn't actually love this rhyme because, as you said, it felt a little bit preachy, and I was surprised yeah. when when M was like. Oh, uh, gay people cannot donate. Oh, come on. She's a doctor. And also she's queer. How can she not know this? Or, or, or all the Travis mon- monologue about blood. It felt so preachy. And that's the thing with Krista Vernoff, the showrunner of the show. Sometimes when she tackles political and important storylines, she makes them a little bit preachy. Like, as you said well, in the past, like and in, in this very special episode of... Grey's Anatomy, you know, I have that feeling. So my favorite quote, no, I think it was a favorite scene. My God, which was it? Oh, yes. My favorite scene was Meredith talking to Cora's aunt, no, grandma, sorry, and telling her that um, her niece was dead. And a reply when she says, who? I thought that was heartbreaking. And of course, the fact that that a patient in an episode 400 had an Alzheimer relative, I think it was a great callback to her and Ellie's relationship. So yeah, I think that was my favorite moment. Also because in that moment played one of my favorite songs ever in the entire show, which is Song Beneath the Song, which was heard for the first time when, you know, do you remember the speech that Meredith gives to Derek when she says to him, I'm exhausted. But hating you, hating you is the most exhausting. Do you remember that speech? Yeah, I do. And I think they also use that song for something with Cali in Arizona, I think, as well. I, I, they, you, I, I, they actually use that song. I, I know. I, I think that song is the title of the musical episode, Song Beneath the Song. And, but it's also but they, used, I think, don't they? Isn't Sarah Ramirez, her version of that song played? when Callie and Arizona, like they're going to go and reunite New York. Isn't it played during that scene as well? No, that is the story. That is another song, which is oh. a song, which is a song sang by Sarah Mears. No, this song, song beneath the song, which is heard again for the first time in season two, is heard again in season 13, in during a beautiful scene, during the season 13 mid-season finale, in which Meredith, you know, when Alex is about to turn himself after beating up the Luca and Meredith is like, no, you cannot go because it's just us and you cannot go. So every time they bring back this song, for me, it's amazing because it's a beautiful song. You guys just hear it out, hear it, just go on YouTube and Google or Google it, do whatever you can do to, to listen to it because it's very, very beautiful. So Jasmine, 400th episode, an entire season, 20 episodes that we have covered this year. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. And we're very, we were very happy to talk about Grey's Anatomy this season. We are very happy that you decide each week to, to join us in this journey. And of course, we will continue to talk about Grey's Anatomy when Grey's Anatomy returns in season 19. 
But I'm sure that Jasmine and I will come up with something during the summer hiatus, right? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay, guys, that's our show. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review, and tell your friends. Our theme song is called Inspired by, by Kevin McLeod. You can find us on Twitter at DensitArtPod and on Instagram on DensitArt at DensitArtGraysAnatomy. Until next time, I'm Giuseppe. And I'm Jasmine. And this is Dance It Out. A Grace Anatomy podcast.